Hello everybody, welcome back to 3rd and 10. My name is Ryan Chapman, rocking with you as usual. So, Oklahoma has their first three non-conference games in the book. They're looking to turn the page this weekend. They've got Texas Tech before they head out to Lawrence, Kansas to play Les Miles and the boys. And then they've got Texas on the horizon. But before we turn the page fully and jump into the heat of conference play... Um, let's go ahead and take a minute to evaluate Oklahoma thus far, and uh, let's see what we know about the Sooners heading into conference play and what we still need to figure out. So that's going to be our topic today is assessing OU's non-conference play. So let's start with the offensive side of the football. So obviously with the offense, you've got you know your three main groups. You've got your skill positions, your running backs, your wide receivers. You've got your offensive line, and you've got your quarterback play. So let's start with, um, as my coworker would say, the most important position on the field, the most important position group on the field. Um, that's not the quarterback. That's the offensive line. OU's offensive line, the last three seasons, really the last two seasons, has been probably in, in the discussion for the best unit in college football. Not just best players, not just best offense, the best unit in college football. Obviously, there were four draft picks on the offensive line two years ago with Orlando Brown. You've got um, Samia, Evans, Cody Ford, all those guys. And uh, Creed Humphrey hasn't even made it yet, and he might be the uh, hottest prospect out of all of that grouping. This season, obviously, you've got four new starters in Creed. And though they started off a little rocky, I really think they're coming together. Once you got Hayes back in at left guard, um, that kind of settled the left tackle position a little bit. And I thought they played really well against UCLA. Gave you a lot of positive things to evaluate and a lot of positives to go forward. So I think the offensive line is actually going to be okay. The offensive line was by far my biggest concern after the South Dakota game. Anytime you have an FCS school forcing your offensive line to hold on plays, that's a problem in my opinion. But I, th I really think that they've cleaned that up, and I think that the offensive line is actually going to be okay going forward, which is really going to help out the running game. You've got, man, OU, it seems like they've got three legit dudes at running back this year. And I know they've had stacked rooms before, but Trey Sermon looks to be a step and a half faster than even he was last season. It looks like he's a little bit slimmed down a little bit. But he has that quick pace, and he's been hitting the hole harder this season through three games than I think I've ever seen him. And uh, Kennedy Brooks also, after uh, being away from the team for a portion of the summer, it looks like he still is getting back into the swing of things. But um, the way that Kennedy Brooks has produced, if this is just getting back into the swing of things, then the Sooners offense is just loaded at running back and even Ramondre Stevenson has come in and he has dominated late in games early this season and so I really really think that that's going to be um, a benefit as really Trey Sermon hasn't had a ton of significant touches outside of the first and second quarters which really means that you're going to have a fresh running back room deep into the season I think all you have to do is go down to Austin and look at the problems that Texas is having Texas Going into that LSU game, had one scholarship running back. They've converted a backup quarterback who is going to have to play running back all season long, it looks like, because of the injuries. And you just have to wonder how that's going to affect Keontae Ingram, their running back, come November when he's been taking all the hits all season long because there's really nothing else 
that they can do. So having three good backs who I feel confident being on the field at any given time obviously is a positive. The wide receivers, I find this to be a really interesting discussion for the wide receivers. Um, I almost feel like we haven't been able to see what they can do. CeeDee Lamb, I don't want to say it's been a non-factor because he's been double covered basically every game that they've played, but CD hasn't been getting the targets that I think we expect him to get. Um, Grant Calcaterra hasn't really made a huge impact yet. Um, we've seen what Jaden Hazelwood, the freshman, the highly touted freshman can do, but he only has a few touches. Same with Theo Weiss, same with Trajan Bridges. Hell, Trajan Bridges has been working out with the corners, the nickelback, the secondary. He's been working out with the defense over the bye week because uh, this is a guy that played both ways in high school, was a five-star wide receiver, obviously, but it looks like he's just wanting to do anything he can to get on the field. So I almost think that the wide receivers are a question mark and not a bad thing, but we just don't know how good they can be because the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, has he's been good, he's been efficient, but when he tucks the ball and runs, he's not only taking touches away from the running backs, he's taking them away from the wide receivers as well. And it, Jalen just runs the offense differently than Baker and Kyler. And that's to be expected. No quarterback's going to run the offense the exact same way. But just the types of throws we've seen from Jalen so far, you can tell it's different. He is, um, and he got better about this every single game, but during the Houston game, it looked like Jalen didn't throw the ball unless the receiver had like acres of space for him to throw it into. Jalen wasn't throwing into windows. He was throwing through doors essentially across the field. Um, he got a little bit better at that about staying in the pocket against South Dakota. I thought against UCLA, he tried to fit the ball into some windows that I don't think he's ever tried to fit him in or hasn't for years after going through the uh, spin cycle at Alabama, just trying to hold onto the ball and not turn it over. So I'm really interested to see what Jalen Hurts does. If he continues his progression, it's crazy to think where we could see him be the level he could be playing at by November. But if not, that's okay. I believe that Lincoln Riley is creative enough. And again, I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is bad at all, but it's just going to look different. And I really can't wait to see some of the things that Lincoln Riley has in store when Oklahoma gets into a ball game where they're tested and can't just be vanilla on offense. So the offense is, it's wild to think that it is like the number one, most efficient offense in the country right now. They are averaging a first down a play. Wrap your mind around the fact that the Oklahoma offense is averaging a first down a play, and we're sitting here going, well, I mean, it's been okay, but I guess it could be better. Like, that's bananas. That's absolutely crazy, and that just shows you how good Lincoln Riley is. It's a testament to his recruiting on the offensive side of the ball that the Oklahoma offense is going to start looking like the Alabama defense here in a few years of, oh, well, CeeDee Lamb's gone to the league. Here are three five-star wide receivers to replace him. So I think that's just an incredible testament to the work that Oklahoma's done on the offensive side of the ball. Now let's turn it over to Alex Grinch and the defense. Now I don't think there's any question that Alex Grinch's defense has looked, dare we say, good through the first three games of the season. But I also don't blame Sooner fans who are apprehensive because I too remember last year where through the FAU game, through the UCLA game, we were thinking, man, Mike Stoops, the defense looks improved. They're doing things a little bit better. And then the Sooners traveled to Ames and it was, it was business as usual. I mean, Oklahoma got torched by Zeb Nolan. Um, receivers were just going for career days. 
and uh, everyone realized that, well, this defense still has a lot of problems. Now, this year, um, if you look at the numbers, the numbers don't look that different. Through three games last year, the OU defense was averaging giving up about 20.5 points a game. They had forced 10 three-and-outs, and they only had two turnovers. This year, they're, for, they're allowing one less point a game. They're allowing 19.5 points per game. They've forced the exact same amount of three-and-outs, interestingly enough, 10 three-and-outs, but they have five turnovers as compared to two last year, which will make for a big jump, and that will paper over a, a lot of the cracks. But I think if you just watch the games too, you can just see the difference in the team. Last year, the defensive line got no penetration almost ever. Um, the defensive line was looking to catch blocks and hold offensive linemen in place so that the linebackers could come in behind and make plays. With Grinch and his speed D, they're looking to make plays. They're looking to play in the backfield. Ronnie Perkins looks like his progression has come along greatly. He looks like he could be in two years a legit stud that OU can pound their chest about when the draft comes along. Neville Gallimore has played great. Um, Jalen Redman, obviously. Um, it's hard to hold that against the Sooner defense from last year because Jalen Redmond was hurt, but Jalen Redmond is built different. He is one of those SEC-style defensive linemen that are huge and can move. Him and Perkins setting the edge for this Sooner defense, I think, can legitimately give headaches to any offensive coordinator in the Big 12, which is something that the Sooners simply haven't had. And the benefit of that, the offshoot of this defensive line play, they're playing in the backfield, which is allowing Kenneth Murray to play quickly, find it, read in on his keys a lot quicker than he was, and just get upfield and make plays. Kenneth Murray looks like a totally different man. And even the OU secondary, which through three games I still have some questions about. They haven't looked perfect in coverage, but the difference between this year and last year is even if there was good coverage on a play last year, the secondary was going to have to cover for six seconds before a defensive lineman even attempted a second pass rush move, much less got to the quarterback. This year, the OU defensive line is collapsing the pocket. They're making plays, and they're not forcing the defensive backs to stay out on an island. Now, obviously, we have to wait and see what Oklahoma does in Big 12 play against some of the more elite offenses they'll face on their schedule. But I'm really close to saying that not only is this defense improved, I think they have a legitimate chance to be a good defensive unit going forward, which is exactly what they needed if you're trying to replace the production of Hollywood Brown on the offensive side of the ball, Kylo Murray on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, you just want to play complimentary football. You don't want to have to hang on by a thread and be – scoring 55 points a game to be in games like they were last year so i'm i'm pretty optimistic there there are still some things on both sides of the ball they can fix obviously but through three games i mean compared to what we knew coming into the season this oklahoma team is probably ahead of where i thought they would be and i feel a lot more confident about them repeating as big 12 champions and having a legitimate shot to make the playoff so that's OU through three games. Obviously, coming up Saturday, they play Texas Tech. Texas Tech's defense looks a little bit better than last year. Their offense looks a little bit worse, so it might be hard to see and really judge anything more about this team. 
but it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, another data point, another game. We're going to be interested to see there. And then the Kansas game next week, I think, could be a little more interesting. Um, obviously, anytime you have less miles with a team playing Oklahoma, you know he's going to motivate him, get him up to go. Oklahoma having to go to Lawrence the week before Texas, a little bit of a look-ahead spot. Could be a sluggish start, so we'll see. Maybe Jalen Hurts and his no-nonsense attitude will curb that, and Oklahoma will come out like the top 10 team, the top 5 team that we know they are, and maybe they will just blow Kansas off the field early. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Alabama doesn't seem to have a ton of hangover at times, so I wonder if Jalen Hurts' no-nonsense uh we haven't achieved anything yet. Attitude may rub off on the team, and we won't see a sluggish start. But it'll be interesting to see. And then, obviously, you know, that Red River shootout in Texas, circling on your calendars, that's where you're really going to be able to start to find out for sure some of the things that we need to know about this Oklahoma football team to properly evaluate if they have a chance to make it to a third straight college football playoff and hang a fifth straight Big 12 championship banner from the rafters. That'll do it for me this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. This has been 3rd and 10 with Ryan Chapman. Hang around for next week. I've got something really big planned for us, and I'm really excited about it. So stay tuned. We'll see you guys next week.